The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Doug Bursch, co-pastor of Evergreen Church in Auburn, Washington, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So how is our identity formed? Who forms it? I've been thinking lately about how much of our identity is rooted in how we were parented, that many of us are reacting towards our parenting or against our parenting, but we never really form our own identity. On today's Fairly Spiritual Show, we're going to talk about spirit-formed identity rooted in God parenting us on today's show. Once again, thanks for joining the Fairly Spiritual Show. I am Dr. Doug Bursch, and I'm so glad to spend this time with you. I don't take it for granted that you would listen to this show. That's pretty cool. Uh, Today's show, I think, is pretty important because we're going to talk about how our identity is formed. But before we get into that, uh, if you'd like to text the show, here's the number to text. 360-818-4513. That's 360-818. 818-4513. You can also just leave a message if you don't like to text. I have rather large thumbs compared to my very small phone. I don't think humans were meant to communicate that way. So if you want to leave a message, you can also just call this number and leave a message. 360-818-4513. I also want to remind you that I have a book called The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. And it's a great book uh, for you to pick up if you know you're supposed to be in community, but you don't like being hurt by people. I wrote it from that perspective that although I am a pastor, I don't like being hurt by people, and I often want to run away from community, and it's not easy for me to be in a church setting. It wasn't easy when I started pastoring. It isn't easy now. But I talk about why the Bible calls us into community, that to be human is to be in relationship, and how can we be in relationship but not be you know, devastated by others. We can still basically keep our own identity in Christ, but also have an identity that's about something larger than us, that's about the community of God. So if you'd like to uh, pick up that book, uh, The Community of God, you can get it at Amazon. Uh, just type in Community of God and you should find it. So on today's show, I want to talk about how our identity is formed. I was looking at uh, the story in Acts. Our church is going through Acts right now, and I've been just stuck on Acts 2. I don't know how many sermons I'm going to preach there. But one of the things that really gets me with Acts 2 is uh, there's these fishermen, or these Galileans, uh, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, people begin to question who they are. They begin to question their identity. They begin to say, how can this thing be happening with these sorts of people. Uh, you look at uh, Acts 2.5, says, Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the sound of Pentecost, when uh, the men and women begin to speak in other tongues and people begin to hear the mighty works of God in their own language, when, when this happened, the people who were around there 
Uh, it says in verse six, and at this, at the sound of the multitude, as this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. I love that word. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? What I love about this passage is that immediately when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, people begin to question their identity. They're like, who are these guys? This is not what Galileans would do. This is not what these fishermen would do. What's happening here? Something has changed. Now that the Holy Spirit has been poured out, these men and these women are acting differently. Their identity has changed. I want to talk and go into a little detail on this, on identity, and how our identity is first formed by our parents. I mean, there's a lot of things with identity, right? You know, there's biology. If you've had more than one kid, you realize how different biology is, where, where one son can be so different than the other son, or one daughter can be so different than the other daughter, that no matter how we parent, or no matter how we consistent we are in our parenting, identity is radical. You Biologically, it's, just, it's a radical thing. You know this with your brothers and sisters where you're, man, I, I know we're together in some ways and similar in some ways. In other ways, how did we come from the same parents? Uh, many of you at a family reunion may have thought that as well. Was I adopted into this family? How, how did I, how am I so different from my parents or how am I so different from my brothers and my sisters? Well, there is an aspect just of biology, and we know that. Biology does form identity. But besides biology, there also is identity that is formed through how we are parented. And I'm going to give just a couple kinds of parenting, and, and this is not at all, you know, all the aspects of personality, but I think this will help some of you in how you live your spiritual life. And so I'm going to give you these ideas of how we react to our parenting and then we're going to get to this fact that we need to have God parent us, that we need God to come in and through the Spirit to form our identity, uh, maybe in ways that are far different than how our parents formed our identity. But the first uh, area, these are just two areas where I think we react to parenting, especially if you grew up in a very authoritarian house. If you grew up in an authoritarian house where it's basically your parents, they set the rules, they set the agendas, you didn't have much volition, you didn't have much choice, you didn't have much voice. If you grew up in a home like that where you just knew, uh, you know, I, I don't have any say here. It's, you know, your dad was, it's my way or the highway. This is my home, my rules. Uh, this is true in abusive environments where, where you're afraid of what you're going to do because what you do doesn't matter or what your needs are doesn't matter. It's your parents' needs. But it can also work in environments that might not be abusive in that sense, physical, but there's just control. And sadly, in some Christian homes, they're really based on control and rules and laws and God's way. And But God's way is this, this harsh punishment, and you follow this way, or you're not right. And if you follow this way, you're a good person. But if you don't follow this way, you're a bad person. And so if you've been raised in those environments, it forms your identity. And here's two ways that people respond to authoritarian parenting. And, and I'm sure there's more, but I just want to give two big ways. First, there's the rejector, the person who just rejects that kind of love, rejects the parent's way of life, rejects control. 
And so it's basically whatever my parents are doing, whatever they believe, I'm going to do the opposite. I need to get away from this authority. And they don't just reject the beliefs of their parents. They reject the concept that someone is going to control me. I'm going to yield to someone. I'm going to entrust my life to that person. So what they do is they turn away, they reject that, and they go their own way. And now there's strength of a rejector in the sense that what happens? Well, they might not be controlled by people as they're an adult. They'll, they'll be about, I need my own opinions. I need my own ways. And I'm not going to let people manipulate me. And so there can be good aspects of this. But what often happens with people who had really authoritarian parents and they reject that, in life, they present themselves with anyone in that rejecting posture. That idea of just leave me alone, let me do my own thing. Whatever you believe, I believe the opposite. I, they, they have to have their opinion on each thing. They have to have their own way on each thing. It's very hard for them to trust anyone. It's hard for them to trust religious institutions. It's hard for them to trust anyone in authority. They've, they've committed that I'm never going to put myself in a position where someone controls me. I'm in control of my own life, and it's my way or the highway. And so they take that isolated position. They isolate themselves from relationships. They sometimes have a difficult time connecting with other people. The rejecting. And you can see that maybe even in a family dynamic where in your if you were grew up in a in a home where there was, you know, lots of control, some people were like, as soon as they had any authority, I'm out of here, constantly rebelling, constantly going off on their own, constantly just doing the opposite of what the parents want to do. In the family, they're off on their own. They're the ones who come late, if at all, to Thanksgiving, and they're the ones who cause conflict because they just want to argue with other people or, or whatever that issue is. It's a rejecting posture. Or it might not be argumentative. It's just rejecting as closing your heart off to intimacy, closing your heart off to even connecting with someone. Like, I'm never going to put myself in a situation where someone hurts me again. So they might be present, but they reject control. That's one aspect. Another aspect, and, and this would be kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum, is in response to a very controlling environment, there are the embracers. And I wanted to use this term embrace because embrace doesn't sound like a wrong thing, but the embracer is the child who, you know, my parents constantly tell me what to do and how to do, and it's never good enough. Well, what do they do? They just try to hold on as much as they can to their parents, and they try to be the perfect kid. They try to do everything right. They try to please mom. They try to please dad. Whatever dad believes, they believe. Whatever dad does, they try to do. And they try to embrace all of that and just do whatever they can to be the best kid. And you see this mentality. The strength of an embracer is they learn how to serve people. They learn how to love people in the sense of do loving things. You know, they, they learn how to, wow, you, you really know my needs and you know what I want because they're trying to constantly embrace others to make others feel good and others to feel happy. Because as an embracer grows older, they begin to, to define their life and how well they love people and how well their relationships are going. And so everything is about embrace. Now I'm going to talk more about the embracers and talk about which side you're in, the weaknesses of that, and how God can parent us in a different way. Hey, thanks for listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. We're taking a quick break here uh, to do a little business. Uh, should I say business? Yeah, here's the business of The Fairly Spiritual Show. One, we've got a website, fairlyspiritual.org, and you can find past podcasts, and past shows, and some blogs as well there. Uh, I'd love it if you go to fairlyspiritual.org and you check it out. That's also how you can donate to keep the show on the air, and we need some people to donate or we will go off the air. fairlyspiritual.org. You can donate there. And also, please 
Pick up my book, The Community of God, particularly if you know you're supposed to be in community, but you're tired of being hurt by people. If you know you're supposed to be in church, but you don't like church, it's a great book for people just like you and me. Thank you for listening to this show and supporting this show. Your support matters. All right, if you just joined us on today's show, we're talking about identity. And uh, by the way, if you want to text the show, you can text at 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. And what I begin to talk about is that our identity is often formed or rooted in the way we are parented. There's certainly biological identity, but I'm focusing in on the things that are within human control, the way we've been parented. And I talked about uh, two different ways that we respond to authoritarian parenting or controlling parenting. And in some ways, for some people, all parenting is at some level controlling. But one of the ways we respond to authoritarian parenting or even abusive parenting is there's the rejection. There's the turning away. We're like, I'm never going to let anybody control my life again. I'm going to go my own way. We become these very independent people who don't need anyone. But with that reality, in our other relationships, we become rejectors as well. We don't know how to have intimacy. We don't know how to entrust ourselves to someone else. We don't know how to have someone else lead us. We, we live distant or isolated lives. And a rejector can be like the angry person or just a quiet person where they're in relationships, but they never really share their heart. They never really share who they are because they don't ever want to be in that situation again where someone is controlling their life. Uh, the other kind of opposite side of that spectrum is the embracer. And the embracer is someone where their response to their parents' demands and authoritarian rule is they just embraced it. They tried to do anything they could to do it the best, to be the best son, the best daughter, to follow all the rules, to follow all the regulations. What the parents believe, I'm going to believe. What the parents do, I'm going to do. I'm going to be the good kid. I'm going to be the good boy, the good girl. You can see in your family how you might have done one of those roles. You might have had a brother or sister who just, I'm out of here, I'm through with this, and constantly causing conflict or just distant and not available, and you're the one who stayed home. You're the one who tried to make everything happy. You're the one who'd always explain mom's best intentions or dad's best intentions. You, you were the one who tried to say, well, we, we just need to learn how to love this. We need to learn how to connect. We need to learn. It was that embracing. Anything you could embrace, you tried to embrace. Well, growing up with that kind of mentality, that embracing model might help us know what people's needs are in life, but then we get caught in this place where we begin to define ourselves, not by who we are, our own identity with Christ, but by our relationships. I'm only okay if my spouse is okay. I'm only okay if my kids are okay. Embracers make their identity based on that. They are only their relationships. I'm I'm only a spouse, I'm only a father, I'm only a mother, I'm only a son, I'm only a brother. And based on those relationships, they find their identity. So if the marriage is going well and the kids are doing well and the church is going well, then I'm well. But if that relationship is suffering or if the person in that relationship isn't giving them what they need, their identity begins to crumble. They're the ones who struggle when the kids leave the house or when the marriage isn't going well or when the church is having conflict and when they're not getting what they need from the relationships around them because for them to be okay, they need these things to go well. So those are two things there. And, and again, there's more personality here than that. But I, I think 
this can resonate with you. And I think there's someone listening right now where if you were honest, you'd say, yeah, I've my identity has really been formed as a reaction against the way I was raised or a reaction towards. But I don't know if I know who I am. And there's, there's no judgment of that. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It's just we did our best, right? We, we were little kids, babies. For, you know, we, when you're a baby, you're not like, I'm going to form my identity. Your identity is just formed in those environments. But when I look at this passage that I read to you in the beginning in Acts 2, when the Spirit of the Lord is poured out on the Acts church, their identity is changed. They begin to be spirit-formed. Spirit-led, spirit-transformed. And I believe that every single one of us, one of the reasons we need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit is we begin to get the parenting of God. We see this model even in Jesus' baptism. Uh, Jesus is baptized into the water, right? He comes out of the water. He's empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the Father says, this is my Son, in Him I am well pleased that it ties together right there, that spirit-formed relationship leads us to the heart of the Father. That when the Holy Spirit is poured out, the heart of the Father is expressed, and the heart of the Father is to show us love. So the Father says, I love the Son. And that expression occurs, Paul mentions that when the Spirit is poured out on us, we have the ability to talk to God in, in intimate terms and to call him Daddy Father or Abba Father. That when the Holy Spirit is welcomed into our lives and when we begin to be led and formed by the Holy Spirit, we begin to see the love of the Father. Too often people talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, in terms of, you need more of the Holy Spirit so you can have more power to do great things. And when I look at the Scripture and the role of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is to replace the law. We don't live by laws and rules and regulations. We live by relationship. So you need to have the Spirit because you need relationship with God and you need God's parenting. So we see in Acts 2 that these men and women full of the Holy Spirit, immediately it transforms them in such a way that people are like, aren't these Galileans? This is not what Galileans are supposed to do, testifying of the mighty works of God. But they're doing that because the Spirit has infiltrated their lives. Now, it's important to realize that when we are led by the Spirit, are formed by the Spirit, it doesn't take away the things of our personality that we love or the uniqueness of our life. I was thinking about this with the uniqueness of personality in Scripture. We have Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and we have four books that are basically telling the same story. But they're not telling the same story because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell it differently. They give different information. There's some similarities. And there's some differences. Why is that? Now, some people say, well, we need different content. And Matthew talked, focused on certain things. And Mark focused on certain things. And Luke focused on certain things. And John, boy, he focused on other things. But I think this is a great example of what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John, filled with the Holy Spirit, expresses the kingdom in a very different way in his gospel. And I bet you John, you know, his personality, his heart, his calling was rooted in, in a little different focus than Mark's or Luke's. And so when John, full of the Holy Spirit, shares the message of the gospel, 
it comes out differently. It's inspired word, but it's also unique to who John is. And when Luke expresses the message of the gospel, it comes out differently because Luke is different. So John before the Holy Spirit is very different than John with the Holy Spirit, but even John with the Holy Spirit is going to express his unique characteristics. And it's the same with Luke, and it's the same with Matthew, and it's the same with you. We need the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the parenting of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will bring us into relationship. Every believer has been given the Holy Spirit that we can yield to the Holy Spirit or not yield to the Holy Spirit. But when you yield, you can allow God to parent you. Look at your life right now. When you think about how you were raised, how much of your personality is a reaction against that or a reaction to that? I think for all of us, if we were honest, we'd admit that, yeah, that's a lot of what we do. And it's not necessarily wrong stuff. We've learned stuff. It's, you know, it's good that you reacted against some of the authoritarian control of your parents, and that you have your own identity, and you, you, know, you don't let anybody fool you. And even as you're listening to me, you're like, well, Doug, I don't know if I'm just going to take this because you take that. That's not wrong. But have you allowed the Holy Spirit to say who you are? Because maybe the Holy Spirit will say, you know what, you can trust that person over there. You can surrender, and you can allow them to lead you in this area. You can lay down your guard. You can let God parent you. So in your marriage, maybe you're like, ah, you know, I, I'm just not going to, and I just can't trust this. I just can't. And the Holy Spirit would say, you can trust what your spouse is saying right now. You can trust what your wife's saying. Let her lead in this area. She has a perspective. He has a perspective in this area. You can trust your husband in this area. You're confused right now, but they seem to have more clarity, and you don't need to react against their authority. You can trust them. You can submit to God, and you can submit one to another. For others, you might be in this place where the Lord is saying, you know, you're trying so much to, to please everyone, and, and your identity is, well, my marriage has to be well, or I have to be married to be well, or I have to have kids to be well, or I have to have, and it's others. You're, you're saying, I need my friends to be like this, and if my friends were better, I'd be better, and, and if my spouse was better, I'd be better, if my kids were better, I'd be better, if my church was better, I'd be better, and you're forming your identity around other people because your worth is in trying to connect with other people and trying to do the best to make a good relationship and to please them, and and you, you literally gain pleasure from relationships being okay. But maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you, you need to place that down. And I want to show you how to be happy when your husband isn't happy. I want to show you how to be at peace when there's not peace in your home, when there's not peace in your church. I want you to have an identity that doesn't rise and fall based on your relationships, that whether your friend is available or not, you can be friendly and loving, that you don't have to rise and fall based on what other people are doing. Spirit-formed identity. The book of Acts is all about that, right? These ordinary men and women, when they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, they begin to do things they never thought they would do. They don't lose their essential personality. They Mark still gets to be Mark, and John still gets to be John, and you still get to be you. But have you let God parent you? Have you let the Holy Spirit form you? Wouldn't you like to have an identity that's not just a reaction against, 
or a reaction towards, but an identity that is rooted in God today, parenting us, helping us. I want to pray for you that you could welcome the identity of God in your life. Yes, we are all hidden in Christ and we are righteous through Christ, but it's not just a positional thing like I'm going to go to heaven and I'm saved from my sins. God wants to transform us, to transform our character. Maybe it begins today. Father God, I ask right now that you would minister your presence to each and every person who's desperate for your parenting. We welcome ourselves to your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Fill us to overflowing. Lead us, teach us, form us. We don't want to be a reaction against. We don't want to be a reaction towards our parenting. We want to be an expression of your goodness an expression of who you are. God, come and form us into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I so much appreciate that. Uh, If you want to text me, here's the number, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org, find more podcasts, subscribe to us on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And your donation keeps us on the air, so we need someone to donate at fairlyspiritual.org. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He's not through with you. He wants to form his identity in you. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.